Welcome to the Priestess Codes podcast. I'm your host, Melissa. And in today's episode, I'm going to be talking about my Priestess Awakening journey. And if you haven't watched the first episode of this show, go watch it because that's going to be part one of this story. And today's episode will be part two. Before I move into my story of my Priestess Awakening and share my story of how I received the call from the goddesses and moved to Egypt, I want to talk a little bit more about sexual shame and sexual liberation. Because at the end of the first episode of this podcast, I talked about it for around five minutes. And I feel like this is something I'm very passionate about speaking about. And I wanted to shed more light on those subjects. So I will begin talking about that first, and then I'll move into my story um, and the main part of today's podcast episode. So with sexual shame, it's a programmed shame that has developed over thousands of years because this wasn't something that was always there. There was a time when women were sexually liberated without the shame, without having to heal from shame first. And this is what I want to talk about is the demonization of sexual energy, especially with women. And for thousands of years, we have had our sexual energy demonized and the dark feminine demonized, right? Because the divine feminine, the lighter half of the divine feminine is embraced, the motherly aspects, the nurturing aspects of the feminine. I want to use Mother Mary and Mary Magdalene as the perfect representation of the lighter aspects of the feminine and the dark feminine. So Mother Mary represents the holy the virginal qualities of the divine feminine. And Mary Magdalene represents the more wild feminine, the dark feminine, the sexual, seductive, and aspects of the feminine that are considered bad, right? Society considers women who embrace their sexual energies whores and sluts and there's all these names that we're called if we're too sexual or we express ourselves too much or we show too much skin if we're too sexually expressive we're demonized and so Mary Magdalene is the perfect example of how the dark feminine and our sexual energy is demonized because her story was distorted and she was demonized as well. If you've heard of Mary Magdalene, even if you're not religious, I'm sure you've heard the story that she was a prostitute. And with my journey of learning about Mary Magdalene, I've read so many channeled books by Mary Magdalene and read so many books about Mary Magdalene that tell the true story, which she was not a prostitute. She was a priestess and she was the divine feminine aspect to Yeshua who represented the divine masculine. And it was through using 
their sexual energy together in holy union where Mary Magdalene taught Yeshua the ancient teachings of sex magic so that Yeshua could charge up his ka body, his spiritual body, so that he could travel through the portal of death for three days and resurrect himself. He learned this, these secrets, right? These ancient mystery school teachings of sex magic and using sexual energy to charge his ka body. He learned all of that from Mary Magdalene. And she learned all of what she knew from the temples in ancient Egypt, from being a priestess of Isis. So Mary Magdalene is the perfect example of how our sexual energy is demonized because where it was once seen as something so sacred and so holy, it was completely flipped and turned upside down and was demonized. And she was not painted as this high priestess who was Yeshua's divine counterpart and equal. She was painted as somebody who was a prostitute who just followed Jesus and was one of his disciples. So with the rise of the divine feminine happening right now on the planet, her story is coming to light and it's a very powerful um, story to learn about because her story represents the divine feminine as a whole moving from this distorted energy and coming into the light of the truth of what the feminine is in all her wholeness, embracing both dark and light aspects of the feminine and merging again the spiritual aspects and the sexual aspects and seeing the feminine as a whole again. So her her truth coming to light represents the truth of the feminine coming to light. And it's very powerful. And I think that's why I know that's why she's here with so many of us and working with so many of us priestesses and calling to all the women who in this lifetime are here to serve the divine feminine and the rising of the divine feminine because she plays such a powerful part in this rising. Sexual energy is one of the most, if not the most powerful energy in existence. It is the energy of creation. It is the energy that moves through every living thing and animates every living thing. It is the most sacred energy. So to look at where we are now in this world and to see how demonized sexual energy has become is, is crazy. It's insane how it's been completely twisted and distorted. And a part of our mission as priestesses especially the priestesses that resonate with being sex priestesses, right? Because we've come here in this lifetime to liberate ourselves from sexual shame and to liberate humanity from sexual shame so that we can contribute to the liberation of the feminine as a whole. And this is very important work. Many Magdalene priestesses have a history, and this is not all. I've talked to a lot of soul sisters who are Magdalene priestesses and who have had sexual trauma or have had a history with sex work. 
And this was from reading stories and also talking to women, meeting women and hearing their stories and and seeing that they were so similar to mine. And there was like this common thread in all of the stories. And that was uh, experience with sexual trauma and uh, history with sex work. And like I said, it's not all priestesses. And I want to share my uh, a download that I got about this, right? Because I talked to so many women and there was a certain point where I was like, this is kind of interesting. Like, this is intriguing that I've talked to so many women who have a similar past as me, who have been in the industry of sex work, who have had sexual trauma. Like, what is the what is the reason for why so many Magdalene priestesses like have experienced that? And the download that I personally got is that where we once worked with sexual energy in the temples when we were sex priestesses or womb priestesses, we worked with sexual energy for healing. And now, because there's so much distortion with sexual energy, one of our roles is to shed light on the shadows of sexuality. And how do we do that? How do we bring light to the darkness? We, our souls, choose to experience the darkness first. And once we are in the darkness and we find our light through that darkness, we can lead others out of that darkness by illuminating our own shadows and healing our own sexual shadows. So this is very important work. So the download that I got is we were here. We came here to bring light to the darkness and the distortion of sexual energy and the shadows of sexual energy and how what better way to do that than to go into the deepest darkest shadows of sexuality which is sexual trauma and sex work and things like that that exists on this planet and to bring light to that and the most powerful way to do that is through experiencing it and then bringing light to it through our own experience finding the light in the darkness finding our purpose in through the pain. And that's what I feel is the reason for why so many Magdalene priestesses and other priestesses from other lineages that worked with sexual energy at a certain point in the past, we find our way back to this work. And in this lifetime, it looks different. Our role is different in this lifetime because first we have to heal the distortion with sexual energy and discover the sacredness of our own sexual energy so that we can help contribute to healing the demonization of sexual energy and bringing liberation to the shadows that are that run very very deep on this planet with sexual energy so i want to share a little bit more about that before i move into uh, the next part of the story so I want to share how I even came into this, um, started remembering and knowing all this like stuff with sex priestesses, Magdalene priestesses, etc. When I started my spiritual awakening journey, I was on that journey with my sister, my older sister, who I danced with, and she was a few years older than me. And we both started awakening around the same time. And we both started uh, getting off the path of 
sex work being strippers around the same time. So we both quit around the same time and started going through our spiritual awakening together. My sister has always felt very connected to Yeshua and Mary Magdalene started calling to her first. And I don't remember how it all started um, for her. I'll have to interview her on this podcast um, to talk about that in the future. But I remember she got a book and she tried recommending it to me in the beginning of my awakening. In the beginning of my awakening, um, I was like full swing into the starseed awakening. So I wasn't having my priestess awakening. Priestess was not on my radar. I was like full um, deep dive into the starseed aspects of my soul. And uh, she was recommending this book about Mary Magdalene. And I'm like, I'm reading about aliens. (laughs) No, thank you. I'm not interested. Like I'm reading you know, a lot more interesting stuff to me at the time. It was way more interesting. And she, for years, for like, I think for three years, she was like, you don't understand. You have to read this book. I'm like, oh, I'll get it. I'll get it when I'm done reading my like Dolores Cannon books. And um, she just kept recommending it. And I'm like, okay, um, I'll get it. But I never got it. And I wasn't meant to get it. Um about two years ago, I got the book when Mary Magdalene started coming to me. And I read the book and I could not believe the synchronicities that began to unfold after I started reading that book. So before I tell that story, there's a key piece of the story that I have to tell first. So before this, I about a year before this, right? this girl messaged me on Instagram and she said, wow, I just found your page. And it was so weird because I actually had a vision of you when I did magic mushrooms recently. And she said, I found your page and I saw your face and I couldn't believe my eyes because I, you were the girl from my vision. And I couldn't believe the story she told me of the vision that she had. So she told me she was lying on a table and there was a group of 12 priestesses, one of them being Mother Mary and one of them being me. And she said that I came up to her with Mother Mary and was doing womb healing on her. And she said, I placed my hand on her womb and was doing an energetic womb healing. And um, she just shared that story with me. And that was before my womb awakening and before my priestess awakening, before I started feeling connected to Mother Mary, Mary Magdalene. And um, so I, you know, I took that story. I thought, well, that's really cool. But I didn't think much of it until I read the book that my sister had been trying to get me to read for years. In this book, it talks about the female disciples because we hear a lot about the the disciples that are men that followed Yeshua, but we don't hear about Mother Mary's disciples. And this is due to the suppression of the story of Mary Magdalene and the story of the feminine in the Bible. It's a lot of parts are left out. And so we don't hear much about the feminine, the female disciples. And so when I started reading this book and it it talked about the 12 circles 
of female disciples and one of the first 12 being a part of Mother Mary's disciples, I couldn't believe what I was like hearing from this girl because I never forgot it. She told me this earlier. And then when I started going down this journey with um, Mary Magdalene and I started reading this book, I could not believe it. It lined up exactly with what I was reading and what the girl said that she saw me with Mother Mary and there were 12 priestesses, including Mother Mary. And that's exactly what it says in the book that she was part of a circle of 12 disciples. And then I continued on my journey of learning about um, sex priestesses and how we did womb healing and worked with sexual energy. And it all made sense why in her vision, I was placing my hand on her womb. We were doing womb healing for her. And I just, it blew my mind. I had to share that story because I was like, it's um, pretty crazy. The synchronicities that began to unfold. So after reading that book, I said, oh, I understand everything now. Okay. So my sister was a Magdalene priestess, and this is why she's always felt so connected to Mary Magdalene and didn't really know why. I also knew that my sister was in the temples with me in ancient Egypt as a priestess. And this is something I just began to remember. And I would be be able to remember when I meet people. Um, and if they were there with me, there would be so many synchronicities. I'm looking up right now. It's one, one, one. So my sister also has a history of sexual trauma and was also on the same path of sex work where we were strippers. So that seemed to be a common thread. Like I said, everyone that I was meeting happened to have a similar story and it was just too much of a coincidence to ignore. I want to have my sister on this podcast where we can share more about her story um, because it's not my place to tell her story, but I would love to have her on one of these days and have her share her story when she's ready. But moving on to the next part of what I wanted to talk about. So I kept meeting people who had similar stories and that's what brought me to the realization and the download of why we experience sexual trauma and a lot of us had history of sex work and that was because we were there to met we were meant to bring light to the darkness and the distortion of sexual energy the sexual the shadow of sexual energy and it's also just really beautiful right how when we go through darkness and we overcome it we shed light on the shadow of whatever we're healing. So if you come from a history of sexual abuse, sexual trauma, and you heal it, you're able to bring light to that. And you not only heal it for yourself, but you heal it for your lineage and you heal it for others as well. And you bring light to that shadow. So imagine all of us priestesses back in this lifetime doing this work again, but in a different way. Imagine how much light we're bringing to the distortion of sexual energy. We're bringing healing to sexual energy we're uniting the spiritual and the sexual again we're we're bringing back the wholeness of the divine feminine because you can't you can't witness the rise of the divine feminine and the divine feminine as a whole cannot rise if half of her is still demonized the dark feminine and so that's why there's this movement happening of sexual liberation because this is the most important work 
and contributes to the liberation of the feminine as a whole. So in the first episode, I talk about my own journey with having so much sexual shame due to experiencing sexual trauma and from being a sex worker, dancing, being a stripper for eight years. When I stopped doing that job and started my spiritual awakening, I had so much fucking shame. I I literally told myself when I started awakening, I was like, I will take this shit to the grave. I will take this information that I was a stripper for eight years. I'll take it to the grave. I will never accept that part of myself. I will erase it and I will, you know, not speak of it. No one has to know. That was my thoughts when I first started awakening because, you know, when you first start awakening, I don't think a lot of people make the connection between sexual energy and spirituality. So I remember when I began awakening and I I was just like trying to focus on where do I go from here? How do I get rid of my past and um, start on a new path of spirituality? Little did I know, like my story And everything I was so ashamed about, everything I was so embarrassed about was actually my most potent medicine. Something I was once so fucking ashamed about became one of the most powerful things that I talk about. Any part of your story that you feel shame around, any part of your story you're embarrassed about, your past, the things you've been through, are actually your most potent medicine. There is so much power in sharing your story and sharing your story is sharing your medicine with the world. The things that we go through and overcome, all the pain that we've experienced, the challenges we overcome, when we get the courage to share about our experiences vulnerably and the pain that we have moved through and overcome and have alchemized, there is such potent medicine in that for others that are moving through similar things. So the more that we release shame around our stories, which so many of us hold this programmed shame in our bodies, when we release that, we are able to share our stories more vulnerably, which brings us all together. And it unites us human to human, heart to heart. When we share vulnerably, it helps us to feel not so alone and really allows us to be mirrors for each other so that we can, you know, see what is reflected in us and other people's stories. Um, when I began working with Mary Magdalene, I was channeling her a lot. And one of the things that she said to me is, I am she and she is you. My story is your story, your story is her story, and her story is the story of the feminine. I thought that was so powerful, and it's so true. We truly are all mirrors for each other. So I want to talk a little bit about my journey with releasing the shame and how it all began for me. And for me, specifically, shame around sexual trauma, I began healing this when I began sharing my story. And it was around maybe the first, second year of my awakening when I started to find my soul family 
and I was in Mount Shasta with the soul sister and she was the first soul sister I had ever had and I didn't have a good relationship with women my whole life like many of us I had a big sister wound and our friendship was so healing and I felt very close with her and decided to open up to her about my past with being a stripper and I had so much shame at the time what was going through my head before telling her was like, oh, she's going to think I'm disgusting. She's going to be like, what woman, you know, demeans herself like that? I had all these ideas of like, you know, from personal experience, I knew how mean women could be, but I never met a healed woman before. And so this was a different reaction than I expected. I didn't know what to re- to expect. I never had a friendship like this. And... Um, I opened up to her and felt nothing but compassion and love and no judgment whatsoever. Absolutely. Such a huge part of me healed that day. Um, I was so petrified of sharing that part of my story because I was like, what is she going to think of me? She's not even going to want to be friends with me. She's going to think I'm disgusting and, you know, I just had all these preconceived ideas of what she would think of me. None of that was true. And she had so much compassion, so much love in her heart and was like, we all have pasts, you know, like that's not even, it's not even a big deal. It was like, I was making it this huge thing in my head because I had so much shame. And that, that day, so much shame was released And that was when I first began healing my shame is by sharing my story. And it took a few years after that for me to start feeling comfortable sharing about it on social media. And I realized that the more I shared my story and my past and my path, um, the more I was able to release shame around it. And so that's the power of sharing your story is if there is any shame or if it's hard for you to share any part of your story at all, that's usually where the magic lies, is in those parts of your story that you're like petrified to share or you feel super uncomfortable. The parts of our story that we wish we could um, forget is usually the parts that people need to hear the most. So take this as a sign to begin sharing your story however you feel called to share it. And... Another point I want to bring up is uh, vulnerability is powerful and there's times where I think this is important to talk about because anytime I share my story, there's like a recoil. I don't know if that's the right word, but there's like resistance that happens after I share so vulnerably. I'll notice that I'll like have my heart open. I can feel when my heart's open and I'm sharing very vulnerably and my heart is open and I'm willing to be vulnerable and like put myself out there. And then it feels really potent. And then after, I am like, oh, God, what did I do? Like, I've had so many experiences where I share um, a little too vulnerably sometimes. And I I say this as a joke because there's no such thing as sharing too vulnerably. But, like, there will be a point where I'm like, oh, shit, what did I just do? (laughs) Like, ooh, that was scary. Like, oh, my God, did I just make a mistake? Like, did I overshare? Did I share with too much detail? Did I... You know, 
Um, and I don't know if I'm the only person that experiences this and I think not, which is why I want to share about it because, um, I heard someone use the term vulnerability hangover recently. And I was like, oh, that's interesting. Cause I have that all the time. I just never put like a term to it. And I, I liked that term because when you begin sharing vulnerably, like the day after, um, which is why I love that term vulnerability hangover. Um, because it's like the day after you wake up and you're like, oh shit, what did I do? (laughs) You start having regret. And I've had this happen almost every time, if not every single time I share super vulnerably where I'm just like, oh shit, I think I shared a little too much. Or I think I shared, you know, too much details. People don't need to know like that in depth about my story, but that's actually where the magic happens. And so I wanted to bring that up because I find at times I've wondered, like, is it necessary to share so openly and so vulnerably? And it is if you feel called. And I realized that the way in which I share my story is different and it's going to be different for everyone. And so when I notice that other people aren't sharing their stories in the way I am. And sometimes I think I overshare because I'm like, oh, well, I don't see anyone else talking about their, you know, for example, sexual trauma so openly and going into detail about it or like whatever. But then I have to remind myself like, well, that was what was on my heart to share. And I shared it from my heart and you can't go wrong when you're sharing from your heart and you just have to follow that guidance and ignore when the mind steps in and tries to make you question like certain things. I felt like that was important to share because when we start sharing very vulnerably, I just looked down and saw 111 when I said that. When we start sharing so vulnerably, we can start to question it and be like, oh, well, shit, I don't see anyone else sharing such a scary, vulnerable story about their past or whatever. But it's like, well, we're not, we're not all meant to share the same thing and we're not all meant to share in the same way. And the magic of sharing our story is the people that are meant to hear it in the way that we tell it will be magnetized to us. They'll find us and they'll hear our story. And they, it's, we share in the exact way that they need to hear it. It's just how it works. It's like magic. So when you share your authentic truth and you share it vulnerably, that frequency attracts the people on that frequency who need to hear it in the exact way that you shared it. So I'm going to shift gears now for the second half of this episode. And I want to begin talking about Mary Magdalene and Goddess Isis and feeling the call to go to Egypt. So one of the things that I noticed is that for me, and it could be different for everyone, but I felt like Mary Magdalene and Goddess Isis came to me when it was time for me to step into my leadership role, when it was time to begin healing sexual shame and sexual trauma and begin healing my womb, and when it was time for me to step into my purpose. So I don't know if it's different for everyone because I haven't asked people their experiences of when the goddesses began to work with them. And I've 
mostly only worked with these two goddesses. So that was my experience. And I felt like they both pushed me to step into my purpose and helped me um, to release a lot of shame and heal sexual trauma. And when I began stepping into my purpose and doing this work, that's when they came to me. So um, it was it was an interesting thing because I, I didn't seek them out. A lot of people have asked me, you know, like, what are the best ways to work with Mary Magdalene or Goddess Isis? And for me, I didn't seek them out. They, they came to me when I was ready to work with them. And I think when you start feeling like them calling you, which I would say the moment you want to begin working with them, I think that's a sign that they're ready to work with you and that they're there, you know? They're working with so many of us right now, those of us who walk the priestess path and who are stepping into their purpose, stepping into their divine destiny, they're calling us. And the message I got right before I left for Egypt was, it's time, it's time to rise, it's time to step into your purpose, and... Um, the way I'll translate the messages I received from them obviously won't be in the same like way because I'm going to be transmitting it in my own personality. But basically, it was like, snap, snap. There's no time to waste. Like You can't hide behind your smallness anymore. The world needs your gifts. The world needs your magic. The world needs your light. And basically, what I was told by both of them in different ways was like, if you don't start, if you don't begin and you don't step into your leadership role, there's going to be a whole wave of people behind you um, that are waiting for you to begin, if that makes sense. Um, Because let me say this in a more clear way. There's people that you chose to go before we are all walking each other home and there is no um like hierarchy or anything like that but it's like we are all leaders and there's people who resonate with the way we lead and the things we share and the codes we share and the magic and the medicine and if we don't go first there's people who are on the next wave who are still waiting for you to begin because our journey plays a part in activating their journey. It just, does that make sense? Um, that's the message I got anyways from them. They're like, there's people waiting. Like, if you don't go, you're holding up, like, not the line, but you're, you're, you're holding back a whole group of people that are waiting for you to take the torch and lead the way. And so that was some the message I got before I left for Egypt. And I was like, okay, well, you say I'm ready, but I don't feel ready and I'm fucking terrified. I don't know why I'm going to Egypt, but I'm going to answer the call anyways. And I trust <laughs> that I'm guided. And let's just see what happens. Faith over fear, right? I want to clarify a bit more about the message that I was receiving from the goddesses. So it's basically like 
we all hold codes for one another and certain codes that we are meant to receive from other people, they unlock something within us and activate something within us. And we are all designed that way to activate one another. And there are waves of priestesses who chose to go first. So if they're not stepping into their purpose and their leadership, the next wave um, is delayed, if that makes sense. And when we see people doing something um, that we want to do, it gives us like a permission slip. So if you've ever experienced that where you saw someone go first, right? The people that chose to go first had codes for us and activate us in certain ways that we are designed to be activated by those specific codes. And if those people never went first, you wouldn't receive the codes that you were meant to receive for your own journey. So that's kind of um, a clearer way to say what I, the message I was getting from them is like, it's time. You need to go. You chose to go first. It's time. Go. And they have different personalities, of course, but I, I received that kind of nudge and that push from both of them and in a loving, beautiful way, you know. Isis, I've been working with her more recently and feeling her energy a lot more than I did at first two years ago when I started this journey. And her energy is like a loving, stern mother. It's like a mama bird that pushes her baby out of the nest and says, like, you got this. That's how I experience Isis's energy in my own life, especially most recently, which I'll have a podcast episode about that later on um, to share about my most recent experience working with Isis because it's been the last six months that I've been working really closely with her um, to create my latest course initiation. So I can't wait to share more about that. But back to when I was receiving the call to go to Egypt, um, I didn't really know what I was going there for. I received the name of a course that I was going to work on when I was there. And that was pretty much it. Just a urge in my heart um, that I couldn't ignore to go there. I had no idea what to expect. And no idea why I was going. No idea how long I was going for. I just had a feeling it was going to be for a while. And the name of my next course. That's all I got. And... <laughs> um it was a calling that I couldn't ignore. And my human self was like, well, how is how am I going to go to Egypt? I don't have a passport. I don't have the money. I don't know what I'm going to do. Like, my daughter was still in school. I didn't know what I was going to do with my car. I didn't know how long I was going to be gone. I had all these questions. Who, what, when, where, why, how? <laughs> like, I had... I wanted to know something, but I was given nothing. The only guidance I was given was get your ass to Egypt. And so I did, and I applied for my passport for me and my daughter. I took my daughter out of school and packed a suitcase, started preparing, even though the money wasn't there yet. And I had no idea how it was all going to align. I just prepared because I knew I had like this 
undeniable feeling that it was going to be soon. And so I just waited and I waited for things to align. And of course, whenever we're meant to go to specific portals or certain places, everything aligns for us to be able to do that. And all the resources um, that we need usually find us when we're meant to do something. Everything aligns. My lease was ending around that time. So everything was like just slowly aligning. And then the last few weeks before I booked my tickets and headed to Egypt, everything um, fell into place. That's the magic of alignment and divine timing. So a funny story, I was selling my Oracle decks, the Children of the Cosmos Oracle around this time. And I, it was like slowing down and I wasn't making that many sales. Um, I would sell my like wholesale decks to crystal shops um, and stuff like that. And so I remember at the time I had like a few months prior, I had sent a sample of my Oracle deck to a shop and see, was seeing if they wanted to carry it. And I've, um, I've made a lot of wholesale orders with my deck before. And the typical order was like, you know, some shops would order 10, see how they sell. Some would order 20, 30. The most I sold wholesale was 50 decks, which was a lot for me because it was like a indie artist type of deck. It wasn't like a big production. It was a self-published indie art deck. Um, so I was like, you know, excited whenever I would get an order of 50, but that was the most I ever did wholesale. And so I sent samples to shops to see if they wanted to carry it. And I remember selling or sending in a sample to this one shop and didn't hear back from them. And I was like, oh, that sucks because I spent money to send them the deck. I, I lost money by sending the deck if they don't carry it. And, um, I didn't hear back from them. And I was like, oh my gosh, like that was kind of rude. You know, that in my head, I was thinking like, that's rude. They just like ghosted me. They told me to send them a sample of the deck and then never got back to me. And uh, never, I kind of forgot about it. And then a few weeks before uh, my lease was up, I got an email from the lady and I was like, what? Like, I haven't heard from her in months. I thought she was ghosting me and she asked me how much for 300 decks and I was like wait did I read that wrong I like looked at it and stared at the number and I was like there's no way she means 300 like she must have made a typo and I sat there like in disbelief staring at the email and I was like there's no fucking way there's no way she means 300 decks. That's like unheard of. That's unheard of for me. Um, but of course, miracles happen when you follow your heart and you follow the calling of your soul. And I was being called to Egypt and um, had no means of getting there. And here it is. It fell in my lap. So I, I messaged her back and gave her the quote, which was like the highest quote I've ever get, given somebody. And I was so scared. I was like, there's no way once she sees the amount, the price of it, that she's going to do it. Um, but that was like my lack mentality. Um, 
because for a big shop, it was nothing, you know, that was like a typical order they placed. But for me, that was like the biggest order ever. It was, I was in disbelief and I sent her the quote and she, cause she originally asked how much for two to 300. So I gave her a quote for 200, gave her a quote for 300, gave her more of a deal for getting 300 and threw in some free decks if she got the 300. And she ended up saying, okay, I'll do the 300, send me the invoice. And I was like, this is not happening. Like what? And yeah, just like that, I had the money to go to Egypt. And of course it costs to produce decks and to ship them. So I had to spend half the money on producing the 300 decks and shipping them and uh, production fees and everything. But I had the money to go to Egypt. So after I received the payment, I booked mine and my daughter's tickets to Egypt. Our passports came like right around that time as well. And everything fell into place. And before I knew it, I sold the last of my furniture. My lease ended. I flew to San Francisco from Oahu, stayed overnight for one night so that I could jump on a flight to Dubai and then uh, had a layover in Dubai and then made it to Cairo. So I left my car. I packed everything I owned into four suitcases, everything that me and my daughter owned and the rest of what I couldn't fit that I was willing to let go because I did not know if I was coming back. I went knowing like there was a chance I wouldn't be coming back for any of my things. So I, I had a car on the island and it wasn't it wasn't worth much. So I was like literally willing to just leave it at the airport if I never came back. Um, and I was like, okay, anything I can't fit that I'm willing to like lose if my car gets towed for leaving it too long at the airport, whatever the situation, I was just trusting. And I'm like, let me just take everything most valuable to me and my daughter and let's go. So we took a huge leap of faith and flew off to Egypt. I had never been out of the US before. I had never traveled anywhere and I was flying I think it was a almost 30 hour flight, not nonstop. There was uh, two different layovers, but all by myself with my eight year old daughter at the time, I think she was seven or eight. And I was like, what am I doing? Like, this is crazy. Um, I didn't tell anyone. I didn't want to tell my family because I was like, they're gonna think I'm crazy and my mom will flip out she'll be so like worried sick my mom worries more than the average (laughs) parent but I guess what parent doesn't but she like thinks of worst case scenarios she'll be like what if the plane crashes and goes down what if you die like she literally thinks of worst case scenario so I'm like let me not tell her till I'm there and I didn't tell anyone and I was like let me just settle let me figure some things out first. And, you know, the biggest thing was just trust, trusting the calling. I couldn't deny everything that was happening in my life and how I started working with the goddesses and then all of a sudden got guided to go to Egypt. It was all to 
real for me to ignore that calling. And I knew I was going there to, um, I didn't know exactly what I was going there for. I knew it was tied to my mission and purpose as a priestess. And I knew that it was goddess Isis and Mary Magdalene guiding me there. And I knew it had to do with my connection being a priestess of Isis and a Magdalene priestess. And so I was excited. I had dreamed of going to Egypt my whole life. I've always been obsessed with Egypt and I dreamed of going there for years and years and years and just never had the money to do it or the opportunity. And the fact that I was going with my daughter, who I knew I also had a past life with in ancient Egypt, um, she was in the temples with me as well as a priestess. And we were around the same age in that lifetime. So I thought that was really magical. I was like, wow, my daughter is about to experience the most powerful priestess initiation at like seven or eight years old. I don't remember exactly how old she was when we went. She's 10 now and it was about two years ago. Um, And I think she spent her eighth birthday out there. So she was probably like seven going on eight. But I was like, wow, like I never traveled anywhere my whole life until I was 31 and my daughter is getting to go to Egypt at seven years old. So I thought like, what a cool experience. I was so grateful. One of my biggest dreams of my life was coming true right before my eyes and I couldn't believe it. And when I arrived on that land, like it was such a feeling of home. So it looks like I'm going to have to make a part three for the podcast because this episode is already at almost an hour and it's going to take a while for me to tell the rest of the story. So I'll save it for our next episode. And thank you for listening. Tune in next week for the last and final part of this story.